I'm Julie Potowitz, CEO and founder of Grow Your Occupancy. Our passion is helping senior living providers maximize sales efforts and increase revenue. Join me as I chat with industry leaders who share their tips and strategies, and we'll have some fun along the way. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Occupancy podcast. I'm Julie Podowitz. CEO and founder. And today I welcome two guests. Very excited to talk with Cassie Tweeten and Stephanie Harris. Cassie is the chief sales officer at Arrow Senior Living and Stephanie is the chief executive officer. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I invited both of you on because First of all, you have a lot to offer as far as your expertise, and you're great to talk to. And you also work really closely together from a sales and operations standpoint. So if you wouldn't mind just maybe letting us know a little bit about your background, Cassie, I'll start with you. Sure. So I've actually worked with Arrow off and on since we were in turnaround. Um, so I was one of the travelers when we, our parent company, um, where we went into communities, stayed for long periods of time, worked seven days a week, 24 hours a day, helping um, fill vacancy and train teams and, and drive results. Um So when I say off and on, I did spend some time working in high-end retail. I also spent some time working in the lumber industry and sales and lumber industry uh, for safety equipment, but I always find my way back at Arrow. Um, And so, you know, working in senior housing and like helping to uh, train the next generation of people on how we help seniors kind of talk through and walk through this process. Like that's, that's my background here. Like I've really enjoyed, you know, being a big part of that conversation. So and how long have you been with Arrow on and off? Um, 15 years, I believe. <laughs> yes. I started very young. I started actually at uh, 10. So yes, yes. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, I was going to say something, but I absolutely won't. Uh, but great. It's very, very um, great to have you today, Cassie, sharing your expertise. We'll have to learn more about the lumber, your, your experience in the lumber industry later. Stephanie, I think a lot of people know uh, know you and your background, but if you would share with us a little bit of your sure. uh, background and where you are today. Absolutely. Well, I started this company in law school, started the industry actually, though, in my teens. I wasn't quite 10. I was 19, but um, love the industry, really grew up uh, you know, you know, learning only the best ideas in sales and marketing and hospitality from great mentors. Uh, started the company Turnaround Solutions that Cassie was referencing when I was in law school, in my third year of law school, um, and uh, uh, really uh, been excited to watch the organic growth. We have now 30 communities. Uh, we do a lot more now on new development than, than turnaround, but that's really kind of the nature of where the industry is at today with a lot of growth. Um, and excited to have built uh, the organization to a team that's really dedicated that Many people like Cassie have maybe had a, a moment or time where they where they left the organization and, and returned, and you know our, our folks who are at you know ten years plus and really excited to have that kind of 
uh, commitment and uh, a really, really solid team that have been able to uh, manage the growth of the, or really develop the growth of this organization. So you, the two of you work very closely together. I know your teams do as well, sales and operations. And I know it's not as clear cut as that because I know Stephanie, you've had experience in, in all areas. I know KSU as well, but can you guys talk a little bit about how important it is that sales and operations work very closely together and how the two of you do that successfully? Ooh, which one do we want to start? So I'll lay the foundation for the analogy. Um, you know, it, it, they have to work hand in glove, but we look at it as sort of like a symphony. And, you know, each service area might be, you know, has the first string, a department head, who's really setting the stage for that uh, particular instrument. And in order to be in concert with each other, you need a conductor. We look at that as uh, the, the, the conductor of the orchestra is the executive director. Sales is actually behind the conductor and getting the big picture and making sure that what they're presenting um, is, uh, you know, really flowing and synced together and is in harmony with each other. Uh, and, and that is it's feedback to the conductor um, and is, you know, really kind of works sort of outside of the internal um, orchestra, uh, but it's such a critical part to make sure that the, 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 the seats are sold, that there are people who want to actually um, uh, participate in, uh, in the experience. I know, Cassie, what would you add in terms of setting the stage? I would, I mean, I would agree. I think that um, the sales team uh, is only as good as the people inside of the building and the way that they all work together to um, help a family feel comfortable and successful. So I think that it's pretty normal for people to kind of try to silo themselves in their department. Um, and we try to work really hard to figure out how we all work together. You know, Stephanie speaking about um, a big part of our sales process is involving every department head and service area so that the families are having like a full scope of who they're going to engage with because after a family moves in their interaction with the sales team member is limited you know it really depends on the relationship that they've built with resident services and the culinary team and you know it's their the department the operations part of it is so mission critical to whether or not a family or a senior is successful in a community and so you know it's really important for us to figure out how we're all talking and speaking the same language and building the same relationships well, one thing julie i wanted to point out we we have had a lot of growth during covid so we've prob probably added a third more of our our growth has actually happened since covid hit and so if you think about that a, a good number of our our team members are new and we found ourselves in the last few weeks, I, I do a weekly call with our, our uh, leadership team, about 100 of the company leaders we visit for about 15 minutes on Wednesdays called All Call. And we're going through why and the whys behind our business principles, because many people may have worked in senior housing or other industries. And they think, boy, this is a little different in terms of how we approach sales. Uh, we, a lot of companies look at sales as an outreach function or they look at it as an admissions team where we squeeze those processes into other roles. The executive director leads the outreach and the, the wellness team would lead in the move-in coordination with some other administrative supports from other areas. And so that's very different than other organizations, but we look at sales time has to be in the selling zone, engaging with prospects, you know, dealing with the other nine who come into our community, of the 10, the nine who say no right away, 
um, that's where we want to put our, our attention. So every minute we can save to ensure that operations is supporting and pulling out ancillary functions or functions that are more critical to operations than particularly to sales, that time balance is so important. If we don't manage um, even down to 12 minutes a day, I was sharing the math with the team, 12 minutes a day would mean we had to have one less move in by the end of the year. So it is so important that those two understand each other's function and support each other as, as a process, not just like this is your role, this is my role, but here's how we coordinate together and when it crosses over from sales to operations. So 12 minutes a day over the course of a work day, over the course of a year, you figured is one move in. Is, is one oh, loss move minutes in. If we, one if we lose 12, right. So one loss if you can yeah. protect, in other words, protect the, your sales director's time an additional 12 minutes a day or redirect, I should say, 12 minutes. That is a really cool statistic and shows how important all, well, how important time is, number one, and, and how important um, making what might seem minor adjustments or minor changes. Qu quarter inch improvements. Think about yeah. that. It's, it's that small. It was, it's like, it's stuff we learned back in the day in turnarounds. You know, we, we go show up to a community and half the time there wasn't even a lead base. We might be able to find some carbons of names of people who inquire, you know, looking for an apartment, or we'd find this in the carbon books and just start calling these numbers to re-engage. And those were the leads we would use to often fill the community. You know, so it's thinking about how do you create the time to refocus or how do you do such the, the simplest disciplines can have the largest impact on, on, on the success of an organization. Cassie, what do you see maybe that, uh, like, let's take those 12 minutes. That's so fascinating to me because I think anyone can do anything for 12 minutes. Everything, it doesn't take an overhaul of everything that you're doing. But what do you, what do you think people are doing instead in those 12 minutes instead of maybe what they should be doing as far as sales leadership? Um, I think that we do a really good job hiring problem solvers. Um, you know, one of the biggest things we're looking for when we're looking for a sales team member is somebody who can critically think and who can solve a problem. And because they can solve problems, they will oftentimes run towards the fire to solve an operational problem versus stay, stay kind of in their lane and solve the, you know, vacancy problem. And so like, I think a lot of the time we've got a, we're working to coach on like, I think that sometimes the term stay in your lane gets a negative versus like a negative response. But if you're in your lane and the other person is in their lane, then we're doing what we should be doing and we're staying on track. And so like, I would say the majority of the time when we are losing those 12 minutes, it's because we're running towards solving a problem um, operationally inside the building where we should just be staying in our environment and working with those families um, directly. But but then every time there's a problem that sales uncovers, it's an opportunity for operations to fix it from a process perspective. Otherwise, sales trying to be the problem solver uh, is, is like just putting a Band-Aid on the situation. It's not actually resolving it to the higher level of customer service satisfaction. And I think that you know, it, it's, it's that simple to think about you solving a problem is denying the operations team the opportunity to fix what could be a monumental solution to improved operation. 
Well, and oftentimes it works more like a, um, like a road bump because like we, we put ourselves firmly between the person who can solve the problem, which is kind of what, which is what Stephanie's saying. So like, we've got to remove ourselves from the middle of the problem so that the person who's actually built to solve can solve versus having to work around kind of our placement in that problem. But yes, working so closely and being able to communicate that, like, um, the ops team and the sales team, they're, we're on one-on-ones together. Like we're talking openly about what problems we're seeing on both sides. And then we're working together to solve what that problem is for a better result long-term. But the other thing too, so Cassie's talking about, I think sales allowing operations to be a support and solve for problems is certainly a way to save that 12 minutes, but it also is simple as looking at a daily standup routine. You know, if you are taking, I know a lot of companies have that practice of starting the day in that set, you know, in a, a quick uh, huddle, uh, whatever you may call it. Uh, but, you know, so we call it a standup so that you do stand up. And so it's a faster, more efficient meeting. It's looking at anytime you're going to engage in what may feel like a non-sales task that we're efficient um, or, you know, lean, lean light or whatever you want to call it. Um, in ensuring that the outcome is met in the least amount of time, uh, that it that could turn easily into a 30, 45 minute meeting with just the with without being managed correctly. And that's where significant time can be lost. A couple things um, that that you both said. The first one is the you know jumping to solve, right? And that instead of jumping to solve the problem, uh, allow operations to fix or work in if it's a systemic issue rather than reacting all the time. So removing that maybe long-term uh, for if, if it is a systemic issue. Uh, and then the second thing is, and I wanted to ask you, it sounds to me that you're building sales expectations into other roles from the get-go so that it's not, oh, geez, I have to stop what I'm doing to help a move in, or I need to go do a home visit because Stephanie is, I don't know what she's doing, but I got to, you know, it's, it's built in. So you are, the expectations are uh, that of your position. Does that sound right? I think that's the ultimate goal. I mean, when we're, whenever um, new team members are hired, we're talking about that process and the onboarding, we're spending that time kind of communicating how our process is different or like what part each department will play. Um, you know, I, I think that it's, it is a constant conversation because in a lot of other, like if you're coming to us from this industry, that's not always the top of the mind solution. And so like, it is a constant conversation about like the part you'll play in helping a new family member or a new, a new resident and their family kind of experience senior living. So like, it is our ultimate goal. It is a constant work in progress, but yes, like our goal is that you understand the part you play in someone making the decision to move into our community. Well, and I think the other thing too I'd add, Julie, is from an operational perspective, we we try to use a word that we can use through our communication devices that signals that we have um, a family can you know looking around a community. Uh, you know, it, it, we are a twenty four hour business. It's almost like I, I one of our our in, investors had, had 
likened it to it's like going taking your car through a car wash you you get the car clean and as soon as you get on the road guess what happens you get a little bit of mud on the car you get the car gets dirty it just that's the nature of what we're constantly having to do so if we can have a communication tool and sharing with the team to understand that we have somebody who's in the community that's wanting to experience what um, it's like and is, is in their in that consideration point we want to make sure everyone is aware to understand not only that 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 person's there, but that they also understand what role they're going to be playing. And if it's a 30 second commercial to we're coming to tour your part of the community or whatever it may be, it can be so simple as that kind of missing communication that could set a much better stage. I am not concerned about us losing people to other communities as I am losing people to making a decision to delay. So when they come into our communities, they're often not looking what they're going to love. They're looking at what they're going to use to rule us out. Um, and I think that that's so important that we manage the experience in a way that puts that very, very best foot forward, because most likely that's the majority of the day. But we never know. Is it going to be that one minute we walk out of the, you know, out of the car wash and you hit a mud puddle? I mean, that can happen. Um, and that's just the nature of a, a people business all day long that's that's moving around a sales process in which somebody's taking a snapshot of a moment in time of an experience. And it's super important that, that everybody on the sales team is considered everyone in the in the building at that moment uh, in understanding their role. Ooh, I like that. They're not looking at what they're what they like or what's ruling them in, it's what's gonna rule you out, what rules us out. And it can be anything, right? It can be the person yep. we're in the elevator and the, you know, the team member make eye contact. rolls their eyes yeah. or, yeah. you know, makes a comment or, yeah, yeah. Or somebody um, doesn't know somebody's name, you know, like something so simple, like that you're yeah. observing along the way. So, I was just on the phone with, um, a regional sales director who's uh, expressed a bit of frustration around executive directors not leaning in and that awkward, how do I hold them accountable? And, you know, my ops partner is so busy and, you know, she, she knows that it's important, but I'm not getting the support. I mean, I, I don't think it's something that any of us haven't heard in the past or continue to hear thoughts. What, what can we do to help? Uh, if not solve this, make it better. Oh, this is, there's so many different ideas here. You know, I think that I, and Cassie, I want to, I want you to weigh in in terms of our current experience. And I'm going to take it from the turnaround side because when we work, you know, from the uh, in the turnaround business, you're walking into a situation where likely sales culture is not in place. There's just there hasn't been um, the occupa occupancy building efforts uh, necessary. And I think it's super important that the executive director uh, be viewed as the lead sales director. And I don't think you're going to have results any other way unless they're experiencing what it's like for sales to go on a tour, to make a call, to deal with a family, to deal with those snapshots in time or those reasons why somebody rules out the community and operations too often will create the parallel tracks instead of one, you know, one lane or one road. Um, and I think we have to uh, to it, it have sales or have operations really be led, leading the sales process. So Cassie's talking about how they team up on meetings 
Um, and, you know, one point in time, we actually eliminated all of our regional sales, regional operations and split them into it just they became one. So regional sales directors were regional ops and regional ops were sales. And it was one accountability so we could be more hands on. COVID caused some rearrangement of it. And we've kind of gone back to the parallel tracks, but we had to think differently on teamwork. And it probably positioned us differently because sales leaders were then understand, required to understand operations, but also uh, operational leaders were required to drive sales process. And I think that allowed them to communicate differently in executive directors that report to them. Yeah, and I think it's also an element of like, we do a lot of work to understand the people that we work with. Um, you know, I, from disc assessments on understanding, you know, where you fall on the disc assessment and how to speak with you and how to not speak with you and how you play well with others. Um, we have, um, a personal development coach that works with our company, um, who does private sessions, uh, with individuals, um, at a director or executive level. They, we also do group sessions. Like sometimes the disconnect is just a, a poor ability to conversate with each other um, and, and understand the part that each person is playing. So like we, we try to put a lot of processes in place, but then we also try to pay attention to how people work together and how they communicate well with each other and how they build that trusted relationship. So that, you know, if, if I hit Stephanie on the wrong day, it doesn't dissolve our entire relationship. It's understanding the pressures that, that Stephanie is under and then how I can reapproach or figure out a a better way to communicate with each other. So I think it's also the element of asking for help. I think that a lot of people, especially in the current climate, worry about like communicating support, needed needing support. And so that's the extra work that we do to like help build the trust between the department heads that you can be vulnerable and ask for help or communicate when you're feeling underwater or that additional support. So like, I, I think we spend a lot of time trying to figure out how the team builds itself to work together, not just by meeting in the same time, but like learning about each other and understanding how to communicate with each other as well. I'm reading actually, um, I'm gonna lean over here. I'm reading this book called um, Atlas of the Heart. I can't, I can't see it, Brene Brown. Atlas of the Heart. I don't know if you've heard of her, but she is uh, a PhD, a master's so, uh, social work, and, and is a, a researcher on emotion. And this is, I love all of her books and not meant to be a, a plug for her, but what you're talking about and just reading about how, you know, the emotion Right and and how our what how our ability to put language around emotion or our inability actually to, to to identify emotion or the language around that number one and then communicate that is uh, is prohibiting uh, connection and communication and understanding and empathy. So I think to your point is it, so critical that. You know, we, that, that yes, everybody should have the sales training and understand and operations and know your job and, and, and the, you know, the, the hard skills, if you will, and then the quote unquote soft skills of, of uh, connecting, communicating, empathy, like you mentioned, vulnerability, right? It's, it's tough sometimes to say I need help or I don't feel heard or it, it seems to me that I'm not getting buy-in here. It's challenging. Uh, and at any time, let alone a time where we're like working in a whirlwind, which we're doing all the time. So I really appreciate you saying that and, and um, 
Well, and actually, I want to make a point yeah. on that one too, Julie. It's that, um, <laughs> so Cassie's talking about the professional development coach that we work with and uh, uh, Michael Buckley, he's fantastic. Um, and I think what has been so amazing about that is transparency is a core value within the organization. But what that means is sometimes you're having conversations that are not easy. They're difficult. They're necessary conversations. And you can't, you have to be accountable for your emotion and how you deliver, that it is clear and not emotional. And at the same time, you have to trust that the person receiving it can receive that information and is not disabled uh, by that information, but could find, you know, how it can be empowering. And it's very difficult to be what we call clean-brained in receiving that information, giving it, being afraid to give it, and then receiving it. How do you take it in a constructive way to, to build from instead of letting it uh, disable you? And a lot of people leave organizations with feelings hurt. And if we can give resources to allow team members to be better at receiving information, that's what allows that hand and glove coordination and allows for different, what may otherwise feel like siloed departments to function better as a team because we can have that clear communication when I need this, I need that, and be able to call that without being worried that, you know, Cassie's gonna, gonna freak out when I ask this of her and like she's not gonna be able to receive it correctly. But that's part of what we do in building that muscle of managing our own emotions that I think has been such an amazing part of allowing us to truly understand or truly begin to explore what transparency means to build trust as a core value. So the, the ability to communicate, and then you said to be a clean receiver? Clean, clean-brained. So. A clean-brained, a clean-brained. Yeah. So, yeah. and that is when- But I'm not gonna perceive that you are, are, are trying to do anything harmful other than to convey to me the facts of what right. is necessary. And if, so if you go back to the orchestra analogy that I said at the very beginning, if somebody's standing behind the conductor and they're giving feedback, you know, so every single night we have a wrap up process where people share information and there's a section related to any operational uh, communications that need to happen um, where that transparent and those emails go to Cassie, they go to me, they go to you know, leaders in the organization so that we can get to the bottom of it if it is manageable and, and, and something we can resolve. We want to know it. But at the same time, think of what somebody could feel if they're threatened, if you're the leader of the organization and there's that kind of uh, uh, you know, massive transparency. You can't just have a process like that with making sure that each person is committed to managing their emotions and, and giving and receiving feedback in a way that is has been developed and is more advanced than what um, you know, uh, others may naturally come at with their ability to manage emotions in any position that, that they're, they're in or within any organization that they're working in. So that's why we need to be clean brained. Cassie, any thoughts on that? Yeah. It's, it's really about like showing up. Um, so we were actually luckily working with Michael Buckley before the pandemic hit. So we had a good year and a half under our belt of like really picking our thoughts. Um, he really preaches that or communicates that, you can decide how you want to feel about something because, you know, and being clean brain means that I'm not just letting my brain run wild. You know, Stephanie gives me a sideways look in a meeting and I'm like, oh no, she wants to fire me. No, I can, I can assume the best of that situation. And so it was really lucky for us to have him and be working with him, you know, a year and a half before this really heavy thing hit 
you know, and it's not just at the, you know, home office level, people at our property level are working with him too. We also added a clinical social worker um, to a person with a clinical social background to come and be a part of our organization because we were like dealing with such heavy things. And so like, we put a really big focus on like how we take care of the people taking care of the people um, and how we kind of work to communicate together. So like, you know, our professional development coach is helping us show up clean brained about ourselves, about the things that we're going to hit, about the obstacles in front of us, about the people that we work with. Then we've got another person here to kind of do those, to, to be that person who does the checkpoint for mental health and engagement and the people at the property level. I mean, we had a building during COVID who lost half of their residents in memory care. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's such a extreme loss that we feel um, in a really global way every day in this industry. And I think that like, so all of those things compounded on a 24 hour business fighting vacancy, fighting this industry, fighting, you know, occupancy goals and needs and, you know, competition, like it's a lot. And so like, that's why we really put an effort into how do we take care of the people? How do we bring it to the conversation? How do we work to work better? And like, you know, I can say, having worked with the company as long as I have, and you talk about how Stephanie and I work so closely together, you know, she and I are very strong personalities. We are, we are strong minded. We have, you know, opinions. We both are viciously passionate about what we do. And so like, it's good for us to be able to show a clean brain to a conversation because the only thing Stephanie and I have time to fight is vacancy and operation, right? Like, so we have to show up ready to like fight the good fight. And that's what we just hope to give to every person Oh, oh, we don't have time to fight each other. You know, we got to figure out how we are in the trench together. And we work really well. So like, that's one of the things I feel really lucky about working with a company who cares about, you know, how I feel about showing up or how I show up as my best self. So that's something that I really appreciate a lot for sure. Ooh, I could, uh, I definitely want to have the, the two of you back on again. I uh, learned so much and, you know, you talked about people taking care taking care of the people who care for people and you're really not talking that you're walking that walk. And it is, um, you know, just learning about ourselves, right. And, and leaning into the empathy. I love that coming in clean brained, not assume, assuming that the intention is positive, right. That, that assuming, Oh gosh, you know, like they said, Oh, she's looking funny at me or, um, or so they didn't respond to a message and therefore we, 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 we've, I think we've all done. I know I have, we just started these narratives going right. And by the time it, that, that you're even, you don't even want to have a conversation because you're so upset because you've just wrestled it all up. That's, and, and exactly. so just really coming clean brain. I think that's a great takeaway for a Monday. Uh, and is there anything else, uh, Anything else? It's what would I ask you to share with us? If there's one thing, Cassie, one thing that somebody who's been doing this a while, somebody who's been doing sales a while, if there's one thing that you really could emphasize or reemphasize for them. What would what would that be? Um, it would be that 
our biggest focus has to be connecting with the person we want to put in the driver's seat. I think that it's really easy to get overwhelmed by vacancy and numbers and, and the occupancy goals. But if we just focus on the person right in front of us and how we help them through their roller coaster and how we help them figure out next steps and how we are thoughtful and respectful and engaged in their process, like it makes it worth it every single day. Great advice. And Stephanie, what about someone new coming in? What would you tell them? Ooh, I open lines of communication from the very, very beginning. Let good and bad information flow just as fast. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, when you are vulnerable and sharing what you may or may not understand or may even disagree with, um, I think that that is such a powerful way to begin a, a strong connection in, in any company. Um, and I think if, if you can't be that version in a company, it's probably not a good fit. So coming in, I would be trying to lay that foundation from the start. Cassie Tweeten, Chief Sales Officer, Stephanie Harris, Chief Executive Officer, Arrow Senior Living. Thank you both so much for spending time with me today. Thank you. Thank you.